Tuesday, August the 29th, 2023. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We've got Ahsoka, the new Star Wars series on Disney+. Plus. They have dropped episodes 1 and 2, so Tim Kelly joins me for the deep dive. Everything you need to know about episode 1 and episode 2 of Ahsoka on Disney+. Plus. We're also going to get into Del Mar Racing for Thursday, August the 31st. We have plays in races 1, 3, 6, and 7, so some best bets at Del Mar. And then we get into the Ahsoka Deep Dive on this episode of That's What G Said, presented by Cindy Carava, full-service realtor Cindy Carava. Her website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. And as a full-service realtor, she can help you out with buying, with selling, with leasing. She can help connect you to the right type of vendors if you need help with home improvement. She can connect you to the right lenders if you need help with the loan process. Maybe you're curious of how much your home is worth. She'll do a free market analysis of your home's value. The website, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. Let's dive on in to some Thursday racing for Del Mar. Just a couple weeks left of the Del Mar meet. We're going to look at races 1, 3, 6, and 7. I've got four horses throughout the day. Three of them are 8-1 to one on the morning line. The other one is 6-1. to one. Always looking for some prices as we dive into the racing at Del Mar for Thursday. It's time for another week of racing out at Del Mar. Let's dive into Del Mar for August the 31st. We're going to be looking at Thursday racing at Del Mar. Remember, DRF.com, the daily racing form, has a full store dedicated to Del Mar for every racing day. Past performances, DRF picks, clocker reports. And then on Saturday, you can get betting strategies. You can purchase single card or packages for all of these tools, and they'll help you. Make some money. That's the key, right? Remember, you can also get these past performances that we're going to be looking at today for free. When you sign up with DRF Bets, you will actually get free past performances right off the bat. If you use the promo code winning and deposit 250 bucks, they'll give you a 250 deposit match bonus, and then they'll give you 10 free cards, free racing form cards for one track right off the bat. And then every time you bet another 50 bucks, you get another card. So if you're betting through DRF Bets, you're not going to be spending money on past performances. Let's dive into races one, three, six, and seven for Thursday at Del Mar. The opener, mile on the turf course, uh, 40,000 claimers going this mile. I'm going to go to the number four in here, Silent Sunday. Now, if you'll notice, this is a horse who was racing at Los Alamitos to start, and he's really quick. He was in those thousand yard races then we saw him at five and a half furlongs at golden gate show good speed and then at pleasanton going six furlongs on the dirt he showed speed let's look at the so every race in his career he had shown really good speed up until august the 10th and then we'll watch what happens on august the 10th in this one so he's the number six in this race that we're going to be watching and you can see he just completely misses the break and you know he's way way out of it so this is a completely different circumstance for a horse who's only showed speed in those first few races now he's dead last at the back of the pack here and we can watch he 
he settles pretty nicely and he, he kind of runs his race. The only problem is he's so far back that he has to make up all this ground just to get into contention. Watch him here. Watch him tip to the outside. And he really gets going late. Keep in mind, this is the first time he's ever been really behind horses. He's always been on the lead in sprint races. So we know he has a ton more early speed than this. Watch him angle all the way to the outside. In the end, he's only beaten like two, two and three quarter lengths or so, less than three lengths for all the money. I think there's something here. If he's just more forwardly placed in this race, I really think he can have a big say in it. So even after he misses the break, he still showed something in that last start. That was only his first turf start. Keep in mind, the race was won by a wire-to-wire winner that day. The damn charming Delilah was a winner on the turf. She was in the money in all five turf starts, or four of the five turf starts. She finished fourth in that last one, the stakes race up at Woodbine. She was actually a stakes winner on the synthetic stakes placed on the turf. And now he's going to stretch out. I think he could get the lead in here. If he could show the same type of speed he had showed earlier in his career, the one has a little bit of speed. I don't think he's as fast as that last race might look. They didn't go all that fast. Who else is going to push him? I mean, this is a horse who has legitimate sub-22 early speed that he's shown, and he just missed the break last time out. Silent Sunday, 8-1 to one on the morning line. Anything around 5 feels fair. Let's move to race number three. We go from one silent to another silent. We're going to go to silent heat here. This one is the eight who is eight to one on the morning line. The blinkers come on. This horse has run some okay races, but three consecutive, four consecutive, to be honest. I really don't know how much he wants to pass horses, though, because he will put himself in a nice striking spot, and then he just doesn't have a whole lot of late punch. Now the blinkers come on, and I'm hoping the game plan is just let's put him on the lead here. We've seen that he can run competitive races against some of these same foes, right? Silver and Black, Dark Marcus, he's not far behind them. I don't know how much he wants to pass them. So let's try a different tactic. Let's put him in front and make the others come and pass us. I think that's the game plan today. With the blinkers coming on, naturally he might be the quickest in here. And just look at the rest of the field. There's not any other proven speed in here at all. I think if the eight wants it, the lead is his for the taking. Silent Heat, Tiago Pereira. Let's get aggressive with the blinkers coming on. Eight to one on the morning line. Anything around six feels fair there. Let's move to race number six. And in this one, we're going to look at the number two in here, Duchess of Bay Ridge. Now, she's run three times. In her career debut, didn't show a whole lot. She got bumped right out of the gate. Second start, though. Look at that improvement on June the 4th. Good speed. Right on the lead. Sprinting. She fades. She finishes a good third. She's off for a few months. She comes back on August the 5th. And let's watch this race August the 5th. You want to look at the head-on because you can see what happens better to her. She's the number six in here that we're watching. And see, she stumbles a little bit. Her first couple starts out of the gate are not easy. Again, is that the difference between winning and losing? No, probably not, but it just compromises your start a little bit, right? You have to use a little more energy right off the bat just to stand back up and get out front. So now, following that, we can go to the standard look and see Duchess of Bay Ridge shows that good speed. She still shows that speed in here, and she's still pushing the pace. 
but she tries to sit off and sit second a little bit here. And I'm just expecting really aggressive tactics this time because instead of sitting second like that, let's just get aggressive. Let's go right to the front end. The one Conquistar also has some early speed. I think the two is faster. And this rail horse has been your beaten favorite in all three races. I'm fine taking a swing against her. She hasn't really even been close either, right? In all three of them, she's been beaten three and a quarter, nine and nine and a half lengths. So it's not like she's been getting beat right on the wire. Again, Tiago Pereira, hoping he gets aggressive aboard Duchess of Bay Ridge, stretching out. Torch has shown speed going six furlongs. Now at the mile, should be the one to catch in here. Eight to one on the morning line. So three horses we've given you all eight to one so far. This one, same thing around five to one. Wouldn't want to take less than that. And we move to race number seven. I played this filly last time out. And we'll go back to her one more time. Haley Levade, the number six in here. She's six to one on the morning line. I don't know how far she wants to go. And I think you can really see that in her past performances. Six and a half feels like it's a little too far for her. So the two races she has going six and a half, I think you can eliminate those. The the career debut, and then again on June the 17th. The mile in an eighth race, too far. Now we'll look at the rest of her form. She's beaten three quarters of a length going five and a half. She wins going six furlongs. She comes back. She's a runner-up going six at Santa Anita in a first-level allowance. And then last time out, she's a good third. And we can watch her race here. So she's two in the race that we're watching. And because she was drawn down towards the inside, she got that shuffle. Like right about here, she's not as fast as the one and the three, so she has to take back. And then because everyone else is a little bit faster, all of a sudden she's way back to last. This was actually the farthest back she's ever been in her career. She'd never been this far back. Normally she's about three lengths off or so. Here we see her about nine off, ten off at one point. And she has to move all the way around. And widest of all, and at 13 to 1, she comes closing really nicely. Now, let's keep in mind, she doesn't have to be this far back. Normally, she's shown more positional speed, even at five furlongs. Even at the five and a half furlongs, she was not far out of it when they were going 21 and 1. Here she comes to the outside. Watch her get in the picture now, closing really nicely to get up for third. Now, if we can just get her to sit a little bit closer when she launches that rally, I think she will be really tough to hold off in here because it seems like it should set up very well for her. You've got to her inside, Just Nails, who wants to go. Denim and Gold wants to be forwardly placed. Halfway to Nowhere wants to be on the engine. Organic wants to be on the engine. So I think combinations of those four horses all showing some speed sets up very well. For Haley LeVay, the number six, who is six to one. Anything around four feels fair to me. A couple plays for you at Del Mar on Thursday. Just a few weeks left of the Del Mar meet. These summer racing meets are coming to a close. Remember to get to DRF.com and that Del Mar handicapping store. Anything you need every day, they're racing at Del Mar. Good luck. Good luck on Thursday at Del Mar. We'll have more weekend racing on uh, an episode in just a few days. So we'll have Friday Del Mar, Friday Woodbine, Friday Saratoga. They're also going to have special Labor Day racing coming up on Monday. So most of the tracks will be running on Monday. So we'll have uh, additional content for you all throughout the weekend. 
Let's move on over and get into Ahsoka. Episodes 1 and 2 were released, so spoiler alert, Tim Kelly joins me to talk about everything going on in these first two episodes. We really talk about everything in the greater Star Wars universe and how it's all connected. This is a show that picks up from Rebels, which was an animated series on Disney, so we do our best trying to explain and uh, get into some of the new characters. Tim Kelly joins me for the deep dive scene by scene, Ahsoka, episodes 1 and 2. We are back. We are back in the world of Star Wars, and Tim Kelly joins me to talk about everything going on in the new Star Wars Disney Plus TV uh, TV show, Ahsoka. We have episode one and two that just dropped, Master and Apprentice and Toil and Trouble. Tim Kelly joins me to get into everything there. So, TK, hope all is well with you, my friend. Before we even dive into this, I was curious, what is your knowledge of the animated series from Star Wars because I I've watched them but mm-hmm. it's not my knowledge of them is I've seen them like once through maybe like another halftime in the background it's not as <laughs> if my knowledge of those is ha- as the movies and some of the other content so I know some of the yeah. characters and stuff but I'm not it, it's not like secondhand for me just thinking back to it so I'm actually going to mm-hmm. start doing the rebels rewatch now knowing that we're basically mm-hmm. Picking up in like season five of Rebels, a lot of what we're doing here is taking yeah. f- directly from that animated series. Yeah, I got that impression as I was watching the, uh, these first two episodes, and I really enjoyed them. But I did get the sense that because uh, I don't have a background watching uh, Clone Wars or Rebels, uh, a lot of it uh, I think was a, a little bit lost on me, or at least I wasn't appreciating it like I felt I would be if I were a fan. That said, there was enough there where you know I, I was in. This felt like Star Wars. It felt like a new chapter of Star Wars, and, uh, and it was new characters well too. Which is cool in live action, right? We're not diving right back into the Skywalkers again. We're not diving – it's like different locations. Mm -hmm. But I completely agree with you in that I I so much enjoyed it more and took more out of it the second time Mm -hmm. I watched it. When I was able to do a little more research and I watched and I read a couple other things, I was like, oh, yeah, that was that. And I was putting things Mm -hmm. together. It made a lot more sense to me, and I think the more we – Watch it, and just the more we get familiar with the characters, we're gonna feel like you did. Because I, the first yeah. initially, I think I flipped it on late, like right when it came out at night, and it was a little slow for me getting mm-hmm. started, like getting into it. But then just sort of putting everything together, like you said, it it does check a lot of those really fun Star Wars boxes right away. Yeah, uh, and I, I I like the I like the feel of it. I like some of the characters that we were introduced to, and. I'm I'm super excited to be back in this world. I thought it was a good mm-hmm. a good start and I think it was smart to to drop two episodes because yeah. We the one would have kind of left us with not enough and mm-hmm. it feels like after two we kind of know where we're going again. We've got Ahsoka and Sabine sort of back on the same side ready to yeah. you know, ready to help each other out and and go on a mission together. Yeah, I really like the arc of these uh, first two episodes and the the reconciling of those two characters, uh, Ahsoka and her apprentice Sabine. Uh, and you know, they I, I, I gather from uh, the backstory and the, you know reading between the lines and everything that happened in these two episodes that they've got some history on on the show uh, Rebels. And I know a, l- a little bit about that, but uh, again, not too much. All I've seen is the original Clone Wars movie. 
And you, and you know what I will tell you too. This and this is something that does happen in a lot of Star Wars um, stuff. Um, and I got our buddy Eric on. I say our buddy like we know him. The guy had a new rock stars <laughs> that we watch and watch the recap. I feel so. like I know. I know. I was gonna say he's such a cool guy and he's so like personable. You really do feel that way. He he was pointing out that a lot of Star Wars will do will have this trope where the a movie or a show will end and it, everything mm-hmm. will seem positive. And it'll seem like we've left mm. all of our characters in really good places. And then yeah. when we pick back up, they're they're flawed or they're troubled or something has happened. We there's a lot of the stuff that happens off screen, you know, like a lot yeah. of the conflict. So when we last left Ahsoka and Sabine, they were getting ready to go master and apprentice to start their um, their journey together. And then we didn't see exactly what happened with them. We don't know mm. what went wrong during their training. We don't know why there's really a conflict between the two of them. All we know is that we've heard in the first couple episodes of this show that the the master apprentice relationship didn't quite work out. Sabine wasn't quite yeah. ready. And actually the uh the droid Huang tells us that she was literally the worst Jedi that yes. he's ever seen. I thought that was so funny. He's like your aptitude yes. for the force was less than any I have ever met. And He's he's Which giving us some fun quips, right? That's I mean that's the opposite of a Mary Sue. That's the anti Ray. All the complaints that you have about Ray that she's like overpowered and she doesn't really have any kind of fatal flaws. Uh, Sabine has she's a fully fledged character. She's got strengths, weaknesses. I can see her going on a journey and a really interesting kind of framework. Again, we're seeing that kind of marriage between the Mandalorian culture and the Jedi culture, but also we're mm-hmm. throwing in a little bit of like maybe Night Witch stuff going on there. I don't oh, know too yeah. much about them, but I have played the, the Fallen Order game and I believe they're, I encountered a few of them in the Fallen Order game. Uh, so I'm interested to see more of that, uh, that dynamic play out and you know what's in store for her character. I'm glad you pointed that out because this is really kind of like our first introduction to like witchcraft and the supernatural in Star Wars, mm-hmm. which is like different than the force side of it. We're not even talking yeah. about wielding force powers. We're talking about like sorcery here. Yeah, um, it's a different. I mean, we've kind of seen it. I mean, the the Sith feel like kind of sorcerers, mm-hmm. and you know, the Jedi are are that. But this feels even more dark. Um, just and, uh, yes, and a direct translation almost of like like witches, you know, from mm-hmm. from yeah, our our culture. Yep, and it. It does. It does have like a different feel to it. Um, a lot of our story in these first couple episodes revolves around um, two characters, one good, one bad, Ezra <laughs> and Grand Admiral Thrawn. At the end of the Rebels show, those two were taken off, which we thought they're gone forever. They were taken off by Pergil, um, these like hyperspace <laughs> whales, and now we're sort of getting into time travel even which mm, is something yeah. that's a little bit new. So it it does feel really fun and fresh because these are some concepts that are a little bit different than we've dealt with in Star Wars before and yeah. even the logo, right? When you see that that Star Wars crawl right at the beginning of red, of uh, episode yeah. 1, I got a little goosebumpy, but then it's in red, kind of like a bloodish red. red almost. It's yeah. got a and it's flat. Um, it's going straight vertical. It doesn't have mm-hmm. that angle either. So um, I, I really did have a, a ton of fun with these two episodes, and yeah. it's going to give us, I think, even some homework. Like, you know, we'll we'll be looking up a lot more, probably watching some old stuff from Rebels, getting into these characters. And I think it'll be very interesting to see 
how they do this because on one point we are picking up from Rebels like a season five, but on the other point, they are still going to want to introduce us to these characters and to some of these storylines because for some of them it's their first time ever in live action. I don't think they're just going to assume that everyone has watched all of the rebel stuff. And I don't think that would be a smart thing to not. do. No, you don't you don't yeah, want to. Yeah. That's not smart because you know that you're going to be having a lot of new fans watching this show, tuning into this show because it's live action. So they will have mm-hmm. to do, you know, some exposition and a little bit of recon work and just kind of explaining some things here and there, but I'm I'm curious to see how that works, and I trust mm-hmm. in this Star Wars, in particular Filoni, because he's been really good about trying to fix things that have that he felt mm-hmm. like are messed up in the world of Star Wars. And you were kind of even pointing it out. I think even something as simple with the character of Sabine versus mm-hmm. some of the other female characters, she's such a complex character right off the bat through just two episodes. Yeah, strengths and weaknesses all there. And I love uh, Filoni's work on this. Uh, I think that he's married to the material. He's married to George Lucas's vision. And he has uh, just the utmost respect for that. And he always, I think, operates from from that perspective of just wanting to fulfill George's vision and stay true to that and expand upon that in a truthful way. Not Not to ever disrespect it or to undermine it. Or to, you know, upend everything and say that, you know, they did it this way, but we're going to do it, you know, a different way. No, it's not Star Wars if it's not true to George Lucas's vision. And uh, I think that that's why George trusted Dave to shepherd this thing, you know, into, you know, the the the, the, the current decade. Uh, and um, I'm stoked about it. Like you mentioned, there was a little bit of, you know, I felt a little bit bored in the middle of the episodes, I was intermittently kind of checked out. Mm-hmm. I feel like it had some pacing issues completely. Um, the pacing is, is yeah. it would be really, really slow. And then kind of out of nowhere, it would kind of throw you into yeah. something that you weren't ready for. It didn't build quite enough, mm-hmm. right? You sort of like build up to the point where you feel like something's coming. I agree with you. Yeah. I did think the pacing was, was probably my biggest complaint in that. You were sort of sitting and feeling like not nothing's about to happen, and then something does. It kind of yeah. catches you off guard to where you're like, "What? Oh, you, <laughs> you back up and like rewind it again." Yeah. Oh, I feel like they would spend too much time on certain things, certain like you know, pu- seeing characters solve a puzzle. I felt like wasn't necessarily presented in the most uh, intriguing way. I wasn't super sure. captivated by the process of it. Yep. Uh, so Agreed. sometimes I felt like we were just following along while while somebody was playing a game. Almost uh, it was almost me too. Too real in some senses where you're like yeah. literally just following with the person doing some mundane yeah. things, you know? Um, yeah, give me, give me it, a montage or something. Just give me the, yeah. you know, the, the quick beats of, of it and get, get where we're going. Because I, I felt like we were treading water a little bit with the storytelling. That said, there were these great moments of you know, action and, and, and the story moving forward. Uh, and I really liked um, a lot of what I saw. And episode two picks up right where episode one finishes so it's a nice it's a nice mm-hmm. combo and it's it's almost like one really long episode all the way through yeah. so it's it, it's a great way to give us a start to this and we can get right into ahsoka episode one master and apprentice we open up with that red star wars logo and we will introduce you to some new characters here i'll do my best not to butcher a lot of their names as uh we yeah. get into them but it's that that star wars crawl and uh, with the crawl in red with ominous music, it lets us know that the evil galactic empire has fallen and a new republic has risen to take its place. 
However, sinister agents are already at work to undermine the fragile peace. A plot is underway to find the lost Imperial Grand Admiral Thrawn and bring him out of exile. Once presumed dead, rumors are spreading on Thrawn's return, which would galvanize the Imperial remnants and start another war. Former Jedi Knight Ahsoka Tano captured one of Thrawn's allies and learned of a secret map which is vital to the enemy's plan. Ahsoka now searches for the map as the prisoner, Morgan Elsbeth, is transferred to the New Republic for trial. They set the scene, let us know what's going on, and we open in a very Star Wars-esque open. They do mm-hmm. they do play on a lot of the heartstrings with the with the uh, the shots and the looks and even yeah. right here we we open up on a new republic ship just like, yeah. just like we see at the beginning of a lot of these star wars movies it and rhymes. shows right yeah, it's just just like george liked it too uh he he wants his storytelling to rhyme and this this really feels like it it's it's a new spin on things there's new characters doing new things but they're kind of repeating old paradigms uh, in a way that's familiar and and, and it kind of has this rhyming effect we're going to get one in, in just a minute, that hallway scene, which is fantastic mm. uh, with, yeah. with Balin, which we've seen many times with uh, with Vader, with Luke and Vader. others. Mm-hmm. Um, so we see the crew. We meet this crew on the New Republic ship, and they are catching the radar from another ship. They actually say that the the signal they're getting is Jedi. Keep in mind, at this point, there are not very many Jedi around. The ones that are around are in hiding. So the the captain on the ship is a little surprised. He said, Jedi? Say again? It's an old Jedi clearance code. And I, no, I'm calling their bluff. Signal them to come yeah. aboard. I want to meet these Jedi. They want to meet the prisoner. So Jedi come aboard. And as they land, right away we see they are dark, hooded figures. Mm-hmm. And we are introduced to Balin Skull and his apprentice, Shin Hati. And just you get this feel of darkness from them right away. Um, yeah. he's, the captain tells him it's a surprise meeting Jedi out here. And uh, Balin says, our existence remains a mystery to most. And right away, the captain just starts disrespecting him. He says, I don't buy it. You're no Jedi. You're some overconfident Imperial trash who just mm. pushed their luck too far. Not not good, TK. Nope. Uh, not good there because <laughs> we're going to find out quickly that Balin is uh, seriously powerful. He wields the force, and he his apprentice gets out her lightsaber. She easily handles about four or five of these officers. Balin force yeah. chokes the captain, and then he stabs him with the lightsaber. And, and he does. He tells the captain, uh, you're right about one thing, captain. We are no Jedi. So they set they set the scene right away, and they yeah. let us know who the bad guys are here. Balin is very very powerful. He's played by Ray Stevenson, who is a mm-hmm. fantastic actor. He's yeah. been in rest uh, in peace. And that's yeah. just so sad that he passed away after this role, which was mm. it's it's one of those things where you wonder why stuff like that happens for a guy like this getting a role like oh. this. You live forever. You're a part of a, a Star Wars or the or MCU, one of the yeah. one of those properties, and you know that you could be in movies and shows for years to come. You know, behind the scenes, forward in year. Like, it's so sad yeah. to see this guy was a great actor. He, um, I I recognized him um, in Dexter uh, a little bit. He played oh, wow. this. Um, it was like the last couple seasons of Dexter, and he played yeah. a brutal serial killer who was gay. 
and mm-hmm. and Dexter had killed one of his lovers, uh, had killed his lover by accident. So the guy was like this brutal guy, but you didn't really know why he was so upset. And then you found out, and he was like smart and eloquent. It was just like a fantastic yeah. play on a serial killer that you just wouldn't normally think yeah. of, like some gangster type guy. He was like well kept together, smart, mm-hmm. um, cerebral, and rest in peace, uh, as oh. Ray Stevenson as Balin yeah. Scroll here. And this was a Man, this was a really good introduction to him. Like he just he has a presence right away when he comes in. He's incredible. Uh, just a, a few other roles that he just crushed. Uh, my favorite, Titus Polo from Rome. I mean, an absolute nice. classic. Nice. One of the best characters on TV ever. If you haven't seen that yet, uh, treat yourself. Um, but also noteworthy, you know, we cover the Marvel stuff. He was the Punisher in Punisher Warzone. He played Punisher mm-hmm. on the big screen. Uh, he did, was in The Walking Dead. Uh, he was also in Thor. He was the uh, part yes. of uh, Thor's uh, band of uh, what? Are, what are they called? I forget what they're they're referred to. But he was in I think two or three uh, Thor movies. So I mean, he was just he he did a ton of things too. If you look at his IMDb, what what a great career. Uh, rest in peace to that guy. He really crushed it. Did that movie Triple R or RRR? I don't know how to say the the title, uh, which was a huge huge uh, hit out of. I think India uh, from 2022. Uh, forgive me if I got the country wrong there. That's a huge blunder, but uh, a, a great foreign film that well, kind of took took the world by storm last year. Um, and uh, I didn't even know he had a part in that. So more reason for me to want to see that. But uh, yeah, rest in peace to him. And this sequence that they introduced him in, I mean, it's just evocative of some of the most menacing uh, incredible sequences in Star Wars history. Honestly, I'm, it's, I'm, it's I'm so of, memorable. And then you're not, it's not hyperbole at all. Yeah. And you've got, you've got the rogue one sequence and it's, it's rhyming with all those, but it's just, it's fantastic. I also saw in uh, some of the coverage of the episodes that the we are no Jedi is actually a callback to a line that Ahsoka says Mm -hmm. in either Clone Wars or Rebel at at, at, at Rebels at a very crucial uh, face off, I think, with with mm-hmm. Anakin Skywalker. I don't know all the details of that, but it's, it mm-hmm. sounds very intriguing. It's a very Anakin way of mm-hmm. of training, right? Anakin was her mm-hmm. was her was her master, and if you think about Anakin, the way he was brought up, how many times was Obi Wan trying to tell him, Anakin, you can't do that, Anakin, that's not the way to do it, and Anakin right. was was doing things his own way, and especially in the Clone Wars, um, there's so many. There are a lot of like just episodes of Anakin and Obi-Wan on a mission or Anakin and Ahsoka Mm. on a mission together. And it's always like, here's the plan. And Anakin goes off script because he's the super smart, talented guy who, you know, thinks he can always do it himself. And Ahsoka takes a lot of that from him. So she she isn't the she's she's very willing to bend the rules if need be to get the job done. Um, And Mm. so. She, uh, we get that same exact statement. We are no Jedi, and then that hallway scene that we love in Star Ooh. Wars. You mentioned we get we've gotten it with Vader. Yeah. Um, we've most recently seen it even in the Mandalorian uh, when Luke came back and met yeah. met Grogu for the first time. Balin deflects every blaster shot using the force to take out multiple officers while walking through. So Vader esque. And his strength is incredible that that we see here. And he easily makes his way to where the prisoner is being kept. 
prisoner Morgan Elsbeth, who we've actually met in The Mandalorian before in that awesome episode when we were introduced to Ahsoka and we saw yeah. Ahsoka fight her and Ahsoka and Mando kind of teamed up to um, to take out Elsbeth and to to capture her. So they're freeing her and Balin and, and Elsbeth interact a little bit. We we find out that she's paid him for the services and she asks um, about the Jedi who seeks the map, Ahsoka Tano. That's when the Ahsoka title screen pops up. It tells us part one, master and apprentice. I mean, I thought the the opening part here was just was really fantastic and just a great introduction yeah. to a couple new characters. It set a really high bar. It set the tone for the show. I mean, I I was like, if the whole series is going to be like this, I am in. I'm going to watch every episode three times. Um, like like we kind of touched on, it, it did slow down a little bit toward the middle, uh, but there are moments that live up to this, and it, it kept delivering, I think, high-level action sequences uh, that are you know evocative of the best that Star Wars has to offer. So. I'm I'm stoked to see where they go from there. Hopefully they didn't front load all the really cool shit in the series, you know, to the, right, yeah. the opening episodes and then they're going to save some for the last. Uh, I mean, that's a that's a TV trope, but they spread this out and uh, they keep the pacing and fix some of those issues. And this is going to be a, a lot of fun. And I feel like we we will get that because I think eventually we're going to get to the point where those two characters that we think are still alive will show mm-hmm. up here with Ezra and with yeah. Thrawn, the one good, the one bad who are sort of yeah. taken taken away. But uh, we check in with Ahsoka. She's walking through these ancient ruins, uh, kind of covered with ash. She can hear sort of faint noises in the distance. And this part was probably like one of those slow parts where it's kind of just taking her a while to like get to things, mm-hmm. to figure things out. But she does this really cool move with her lightsabers yeah. where she slices through the ground. This like concrete. Yeah. She, she basically like cuts a manhole in like yeah. like a circle, and then she. Dips into a cave, which is almost like a tomb, with mm-hmm. transcripts and drawings all over, and you can you can sense like a a presence here because there are voices in the background, like mystical stuff happening. Um, she's listening, and then she's like playing with different objects, like pillars. She's she's like trying to find an opening to something, and mm-hmm. she goes to one object, and she she actually twists it. And it shines a light. It's really cool how it happens. It's like an old, um, like an old pulley tort sort of system. She shine it. She twists one thing. It twists another thing, and all these things around her start moving. And it, it basically, a box is presented, and she finds a sphere inside of it with a map. Problem is, she can't open this map, and she can't figure it out at all. She doesn't know what it means to her. It's just a a sphere, and. Mm-hmm. Then, of course, as expected, it can't be just easy for her to grab this. There are assassin droids all over the place, five of them surrounding her. Kind of a cool action sequence where she drops back down into the hole that she cut. She starts cutting holes below the feet of the droids and pulling them down. Then she pops back up and she takes out a couple of them. Um, I I thought the action was kind of fun. I saw a few Mm -hmm. people who pointed out they didn't think for someone who's supposed to be Incredible like she's supposed to be Up there at the very top top of of The probably top five in the Star Wars universe of wielding a lightsaber Like she's that Mm -hmm. good I I saw some complaints You know in rewatching it I actually think She kind of like 
She does it really nonchalant in a way that just seems mm-hmm. like she's smooth with it. Like it's almost like mm-hmm. it's like um it's like an, another arm for her. She doesn't have to yeah. like take it out and be very showy with it. She just kind of like it's smooth the way she moves with the lightsaber. I I didn't really mind yeah. it as much. It didn't seem like it was awful to me. And uh what do you think about I I missed the complaints actually. Could you elaborate a little bit on yeah, the, what people, people said? That I they didn't just notice the, anything. The, the lightsaber work from her was very slow. Like she's not uh, fast, and me, for someone who's supposed to be as good as she is, mm-hmm. it, like in um, in Rebels, like if we were making a list of people, yeah, she was probably not far behind Anakin, who was her her um, you know her master. So yeah, she was you know she stood toe to toe with Vader. And and Maul and like some of the others like when when Anakin was right. there and so I I actually didn't it didn't bother me at all like I never I never looked at it and went oh that was really bad fighting scenes or those were really slow mm-hmm. or it seemed like choreographing sometimes in wrestling when mm-hmm. there's like a bad match it you can see the people like what's going on in their head before it happens right you can see them thinking mm-hmm. about what move they're going to do next I didn't see that like I didn't sense that where like I didn't feel like there were many complaints I thought she did a pretty good job. Yeah, I thought it was pretty well uh, represented on on screen, and she looked proficient with it. I could maybe see that she was moving a little slow, but uh, you know, it didn't jump out to me. And I think about uh, watching real fighters. Uh, there's this saying: after Conor McGregor knocked out uh, Jose Aldo, he said, "I believe he said, precision beats timing, and timing mm-hmm. beats speed." Uh, and so. When when you're dealing with somebody who's like a trained fighter, they might not be the fastest. They might not have the fast twitch muscle or, you know, be the strongest, but their mental acuity their, and their visual um, acuity and the ability to predict where the person's going to move and, and and be there before that person, use that person's leverage, all those things could factor in. And it could be a person who's a little bit slower, but they're putting their lightsaber, their shots right where they need to be at the exact right time to be effective. And uh, yeah, we could just chalk it up to that if we want to. I, I think that there wasn't anything that... Um, really jumped out of me maybe you could say it was less flashy like like you know that's and and uh and again that can be boiled down to she's just being more efficient with it and a she, lot of the flashy lightsaber stuff in the movies are kind of silly if you really break it down but and it, it i, looks I think a, a lot of what they're trying to portray to us too with ahsoka is that she is more grown up now right she's not mm-hmm. the younger Ahsoka that we knew in Rebels and Clone Wars where she was a lot flashier. She was like the younger Anakin, you know, um now she's more mature. She's the master now. So, I think precision was the perfect word with with what you were saying because that that feels right. And uh she takes out three of these assassin droids, but two of them actually Get ready to self-detonate. That's what makes these droids so uh, so crazy is that they can th- they will thermal detonate themselves and then blow up like an entire planet. So she has to run off, and she's able to quickly get saved by the pilot, Huyang, who is a droid who's pretty funny here. And uh, he picks her up. The entire planet now is catching fire, but she has just made it off. And Ahsoka and Huyang talk a little bit. He mentions um, following Jedi mission protocol, and she just tells him to stay close. He points out that that's the job of a Padawan learner, which I am not. 
So right away they're starting to play with the fact that Ahsoka doesn't have a Padawan. She's a master without an apprentice. Um, they ask, they talk a little bit about Morgan, and then mm-hmm. they actually um, radio into Fleet Command, and we hear that Ahsoka interacts with the New Republic, and so she's um, friendly with some of the officers. We actually meet General Sindula. Not far after this, um, Ahsoka and Huang dock at the New Republic ship at Fleet Command. What's cool about this, um, I'm sure you, you may have seen the same tidbit, the actress that plays General Sindula is actually the wife of Ewan McGregor, Obi-Wan, Con- Obi-Wan oh, no Kenobi. So um, on one of the the recaps I was watching, when it said that, it kept playing clips of Obi-Wan saying, hello there. Hello there, hello there <laughs> Which is great, I thought it was really well done And just a, a funny little uh, produced segment But uh, shout out to uh, Ewan McGregor now In, uh, in the Star Wars world like, I, I love stuff like that, it's just so funny to think about um, And General Sindula Plays a, a big role here She's someone who greets Ahsoka And we can tell right away That they have also a history of working together TK they they uh, go in the back Room and General Sindula preps Ahsoka on everything that's been Going on um, They talk about The Morgan Elsbeth uh, Escape that the prisoner Has escaped that Ahsoka brought in So that's now Our you know main characters They have a mission now they have To find the escaped prisoner To see wh- who got Her and now we know that Ahsoka has something to do but she's going to need a little bit of help. What do you think about General Sindula and just sort of our uh, our introduction here to Ahsoka being being on this new Republic team? I I, I wasn't quite sure that she was working so hand in hand with them. I wasn't sure if she was more of a loner on her on her own doing things. But she does seem to be a real big part of the new Republic here. This made almost no impression on me. I have almost zero <laughs> memory of any yeah. of this part of the episode happening. Uh, this might be what we were talking about when it's like um, exposition stuff. Lose, it, yeah, I lost it. Maybe I lost interest during this. I do, I literally don't remember the character you're talking about. I'm sorry to say. Yeah, Ge- a general is the she's the green <laughs> character that we see in a few different spots, and then we'll see her again a little bit in episode two. Um, she's known as General. Um, Sindula, her first name oh, is Hera. 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 Yes, so that's why okay. I said I was saying different names. So Hera Sindula, General, <laughs> so, okay. she's referred to in three I different ways. I know what you're talking about now. It, it, that completely reframes everything that just happened. I'm like, what scene are we talking about here? And that's what I liked do, her. Because with the I new like, character uh, names, it can be a little yeah. tricky sometimes. Yeah. And so this is a character. It's a she's a Twi'lek, right? Yes. If, if I'm not mistaken, it's a Twi'lek. Yes, uh, so I thought she looked really cool. The actress I like. I mean, I gotta think uh, Dave Filoni just uh, has had a boner for her since um, Scott Pilgrim, uh, Mary right. Elizabeth Winstead, yep. and he just would, would do anything to get her on this, and with good reason. I mean, she's amazing, uh, uh, and I, I really like she her on amazing. this show. I wonder what motivated her to do this. I mean, she's in a lot of makeup. Uh, and she's a big name. So this has got to be a really interesting um, character and an offer that they've given her. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be some meaty, fun stuff to do uh, throughout this series. And I know it's you know, like uh, she's a main character from, I believe, Rebels, right? Uh, yep. I, I, again, haven't seen the show, but I, I recognize her from, from that, I believe. And it's good to see more like Twilight characters, 
I want to say the first time we saw Twilight characters were in Jabba's palace as kind of a slave. So here we have a general uh, character, uh, looks like a badass, kind of um, has some some uh, gravitas as she's going around. I don't think that the character was a general in the backstory. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. if I think that might have been something that happened in between. Yes, it did. Uh, it did happen more. She's been, yeah, she's been sort of kind elevated. Of risen now. in the ranks. Yeah. So, yeah, I, I did actually like uh, this sequence. Uh, it, it was pretty effective, I think, at delivering the exposition needed. Um, but uh, and a good introduction to her. And I'm, I'm just interested mostly in that actress and why she's in the show and you know what they're going to have to do with her. Because I, I think that that could be a lot of fun seeing what she's got to offer. I, I love Scott Pilgrim. I think she was great in that. So Such a good um, movie. So yeah. and like so many care of those actresses and actors have become huge stars, like huge oh, stars amazing. from that movie. It's awesome. Why? Ahsoka and the general now are are talking what the general uh, Hera tells Ahsoka like, They can't figure out the map And they can't figure out how to read it But they both seem to know Someone who will help them And they said that she'll do it for Ezra We then are introduced to Sabine And uh, we see a large ceremony Where they uh, Everybody is Celebrating the heroic effect efforts of Commander Ezra Bridgerd, who sacrificed himself to liberate our world. There's a monument they dedicate the stand in recognition of Commander Bridger and the rebel leaders who fought valiantly on their behalf. May their courage and commitment never be forgotten. Here to say a few words is one of those leaders, Commander Sabine Wren. Sabine <laughs> Wren. He's nowhere to be found. And little uh, mermaid callback here. Exactly. <laughs> This, <laughs> yeah, this was, Little Mermaid. This is like a, a like a, a Jasmine, right? In Aladdin, she's yeah. never around when they're looking for her. She's off on the like. This is like something we see quite a bit. And uh, this was Governor Azadi, who was a uh, also a character from Rebels. And mm-hmm. when we were introduced to Sabine, she's on a speeder. She's flying, and yeah. she's getting called by officers who are wondering why she's not at this ceremony. And we find out pretty quickly, Sabine doesn't give two Fs. You know, she's really <laughs> yeah. on her own program here. Yeah. She is uh, stubborn and independent. That's pretty clear from the jump there. Uh, I like. I, I didn't notice it in the initial watch, but I saw it pointed out that you can actually see uh, when the governor is, is, is uh, asking where she is, you can see her motorcycle like off in the di- – or the speeder bike off in the distance. On the background already. Flying That's away weird. from them. Uh, I did think uh, one note was like, is this the emptiest like freeway system of all time? Ever? Like, what is the deal? Like, why is there not one other person traveling on this road? I, 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 everyone at the uh, the ceremony, whatever every, that ceremony, literally thing, every single person is there because it didn't it didn't look that populated from from that. So that was one knock I, I would say, but uh, very minor complaints there. I wouldn't even call it a complaint. Uh, nitpicking. Uh, I love seeing Clancy Brown there as Governor uh, Ryder Azadi, and like you said, he's from the 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 animated series. Uh, it's he's a great character actor too. He's in just a ton of stuff. Starship Troopers, to just yep. name one that stands mm-hmm. out to me. Anytime I see him, I I, I see Starship Troopers. Fantastic movie. If nobody's seen it's that, so uh, good. It is. It. it is. Got to see Starship Troopers. It holds up. Uh, but yeah, really cool to see him. I also noticed. Another actor, uh, this guy Vinny Thomas. I've seen him on like TikTok and stuff. He played this guy Senator Jai Kell, who I I didn't know this, but from one of the um, 
new rock stars or something like that pointed out that I believe that character as well is from either Rebels or Clone Wars. So they're really doing a lot of uh, fun things, bringing these animated characters to life. And then uh, from from what I can tell, they're actually adding a lot to their their stories. They're bringing the characters from the animated program and and putting them in a new position. They're elevating them. Some time has passed. They're, they've made changes to them. So it should be interesting for fans of those shows. I don't know why I just start, I thought about this, but have, have you seen uh, uh, Harold and Kumar too go to Guantanamo Bay? There, there's yeah. a scene. Yeah. There, there's a scene where uh, Rob Corddry is talking with Neil Patrick Harris, and he goes, mm-hmm. "Mr. Harris, your work in Starship Troopers inspired me to be what I am today." It just. I don't know why it made me think. It's just so funny. He, he was a stand-in for a Nazi in that movie, by the way, which makes that ten times funnier. So so funny that mo- that like Rob yeah. Porter was so. Why is your ass so dirty? Do you even wipe? I just that's a funny. <laughs> it's a really good one. Uh, uh, Harold and Kumar too. But yeah. as we continue along here, Sabine, we we can tell that. You know she's feisty this is probably not the first time she's done something like this because the officers who are talking to her they seem like they know her pretty well uh the one guy in particular seems like oh it's sabine again and she she pulls this move where they've like they got a blockade set up for her and she's able to slide underneath it so she doesn't really cause any damage or she doesn't hurt anyone but she is able to escape and she eludes them and we see her um arrive at her home now, which is a tower that used to be Ezra's. I think that's a wide a, a callback. And she has a loath cat. She lives alone, kind of sad. And we see her actually kind of what's cool is this is sort of like what anyone would do if you lost someone that you love that was close to you and they're not around anymore. You kind of read their old messages that they sent you. Maybe if there's an old voicemail that you have on your phone. Mm-hmm. I've done this before with people that have passed away mm-hmm. um, and you hear their voice again yeah. that you haven't heard before. Um, and, and that's what she's doing. We, it's our first look at Ezra Bridger. She actually has a mm-hmm. hologram message from him. And, and this seems like it was one of the final things that he said to anyone, um, where he tells her, I'm sorry for disappearing on you. I made this recording, um, because more than others, I need you to understand as a Jedi. Sometimes you have to make the decision. No one else can. So that's what I did to defeat Thrawn. We've been through a lot. We grew up together in this rebellion and we're not really family. But you're like a sister to me. I know your fight isn't over and I won't be there to help you, but I'm counting on you to see this through. May the force be with you. They had kind of leaned into there being romantic feelings between them, I think, towards the end of Rebels, uh, between the two of them. Mm. I think they may have been falling in love or it, it might have been like she looks up to him and has loving, longing feelings for him, almost like a big brother kind of kind of thing. Um, right. But but we were introduced to Ezra and in. in what we hear about him, if you've never seen Rebels and you just are watching this, we're led to believe that Ezra is a hero. He saved a lot of people mm-hmm. and everybody talks about him in a very, very positive light and they hold him up on a pedestal. So he seems like a legitimate guy who is a really big part of the rebellion. Yeah. And uh, just from a little bit of cursory research, I believe he's also he was the apprentice of this guy. uh I think it's Kanan Jarrus. I don't know if I'm butchering that name, but the character was, uh, I believe, uh, voiced by Freddie Prince Jr. and is a character that sacrificed himself at some point earlier on uh, in the storyline. Now, mm-hmm. more recently, um, uh, Ezra sacrificed himself uh, to defeat Thrawn. So now both 
you know, the, the good guys and the bad guys, they're all looking for Thrawn or Ezra who are, you know, conceivably in the same place, possibly another galaxy. Interesting. We cut back to uh, uh, Morgan Elsbeth with Balin and Shinhati. They arrive at a different place. Um, they actually, no, they arrive first to see the ruins on the planet that Ahsoka went to get, and they realize that the map mm-hmm. is gone. Um, so Elsbeth directs Balin, send your apprentice to the planet, um, to the planet Lothal, and Ahsoka Tano's former apprentice is there. You're looking for Sabine Wren. So she sends her after Sabine, thinking that Ahsoka will need to get to Sabine because we do find out with Sabine, she is very smart and she does have what whatever it is. If it's some sort of force powers, she almost seems to have some sort of mystical witch powers. And then we keep, we keep talking about witches a lot here. You wonder if there's something there because Sabine seems to hear voices. Mm-hmm. She she seems to be able to hear thoughts. Um, and so we're we see her even um, when she's in the hospital in episode two. She's someone mm-hmm. that people that they take like they map to and they take equipment to for her to fix. So she's very good mm-hmm. in that sense. And Sabine and Ahsoka kind of have a little, um, you know, they have some awkwardness between the two of them. The last time we saw the two of them, they were master and apprentice, and it did not mm-hmm. work out. They Ahsoka decided to stop training um, Sabine. So their relationship isn't great, but why they come together here is to find Ezra. Ahsoka knows Mm -hmm. that Sabine loves Ezra and that she will do anything she can to find Ezra. So while they may not love each other at the moment, they may not like each other at the moment, they both have Mm -hmm. a common goal. Yeah, and they maybe need each other too because like you said, Sabine has – uh, skills with you know fixing weapons like that she, with that droid head that she's you know dissecting apart uh from i think it was new rockstar said that she was a former imperial weapon specialist if i'm not mistaken so mm-hmm. that could come into play at some point and her specialty there uh also like you mentioned she's got some kind of uh intuition some natural abilities i know it was also stated that she had the, the lowest um you know force abilities and natural abilities there um, of any Jedi, but she still has something, right? Jedi. Like of all but the Jedi, it, it might not be Jedi Force abilities. It might be more related to like Night Sisters or some other aspect of the Force that we haven't encountered in in depth yet, um, which is really cool. And uh, I know uh, it was also mentioned Night Sisters, witches, witches come in threes, and I think mm-hmm. it's really cool that Sabine has these potentially three elements going on. Like we, I, I touched on, there's the Mandalorian side the jedi side and this potential third witch Witch. side so all three of those could be in in one that's something we haven't seen uh at all yet on you know in any star wars story we're we're kind of on the mandalorian seeing the jedi mixed with the the mandalorian but this is a third element uh, added to the mix that we haven't seen yet which is really cool now ahsoka comes to talk with sabine general azadi is uh also in the mix there there's kind of an awkward standoff between Ahsoka and Sabine before Ahsoka mentions Ezra. And then she holds out the sphere map needing help. So the two of them, they start to interact. They talk about Thrawn, their enemy, and they talk about Ezra. 
Um, Ahsoka mentions a world named Arcana. That's the place where she found the map where there was all the ruins. It was a stronghold for the witches of Dathomir. We heard the witches mentioned by a uh, machete in uh, in the book of Boba Fett. He mentioned uh, the witches of Dathomir at one point. So Sabine's like witches, great. This is getting more exciting by the moment. Ahsoka asks for her help. Um, this is a map, but we can't read it. There's got to be some kind of a codex, some sort of a key. Now, they kind of have some small talk. Sabine asks Ahsoka where she's been, what she's doing, talks about how she just sort of moves from one place to another, lives on the ship. And then we hear them talk about how things didn't go well between the two of them. Sabine says, you never made things easy for me, master. Well, there's nothing easy about being a Jedi, Ahsoka says. And then Sabine says, I should have made a good one. They go back and forth and kind of zing each other a few times there uh, before interacting again with uh, the droid Huyang. They're trying to find out as much information as they can about Ezra, about who helped release Elsbeth, about this map. So we understand, like, it's, again, some exposition stuff, some boring stuff, but it all makes sense. Like, they need to get this information. We've got the droid. We've got Sabine, mm-hmm. we've got Ahsoka around. There's going to be some stuff that they're kind of repeating here and there, but um, they're they're laying the groundwork for what they're doing, just trying to let us all know. Uh, Hu Yang lets us know the two. Of, I see the two of you are getting reacquainted. Um, they've run analysis on the lightsabers. He says they are very eloquent, uh, ele- elegant with several classic design motifs. They're trying to find out who is wielding those lightsabers, trying to find out anything they mm-hmm. can about. Uh, Balin and about uh, his apprentice They are mm-hmm. Jedi trained But I do not recognize In the last five year, hundred years I've only known one student Who built a saber such as this Balin Scroll. He disappeared at the end of the Clone Wars Like so many um, So a lot of exposition We're getting um, We find out mm-hmm. that they're a master and an apprentice And while Ahsoka is talking With Hu Yang During this time Sabine steals the map and leaves. She went, she goes and takes it for herself, which is the exact opposite of what Ahso- uh, of what Ahsoka <laughs> asked her. And I'm gonna say Oscar sometimes because there's a wrestler named Oscar, and I say that <laughs> I'm, I even think it, but I'm saying it sometimes. I'm like I write it down Oscar, and I'll say Oscar. So if I that do any apologies, but she's a very popular uh, wrestler and she's a badass too. She she's awesome. But TK. We we get mm-hmm. to, we get a look at the relationship between the two of them where they're like a little feisty. Mm-hmm. They do feel like a big sister, little sister kind of relationship where um, they're kind of barbing each other. We have some quips. Mm-hmm. We hear a little bit about what went went on between the two of them. But the first thing Soka asks Sabine, she does the opposite. <laughs> she literally leaves right. when she tells her not to leave. Yeah, and that's that's uh, clearly Sabine's uh, characterization thus far. I mean, we were introduced to her on this show with her, you know, leaving. <laughs> we were introduced with her. She was supposed to be mm-hmm. at this big ceremony, and she's the exact opposite. So wait, wait, you're telling me that. she's a rebel? <laughs> yeah, right. Oh, right, right. there we go. <laughs> Thematically sound here. Yeah, it's very consistent. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it makes perfect sense, uh, and that's sort of what's at odds uh with the relationship that she has with Ahsoka. I mean, the master apprentice thing, you kind of have to submit to the master. Uh, And that's just something that character is not ready and willing to do at this point in her story. I do think uh, clearly by the end of the two episodes, uh, she is more so. There's a visual um, way that they show that she cuts her hair off uh, and, you know, she's 
showing a, a completely right? she gets the, yeah she, she got she her armor on, so, Mandalorian armor yeah and yeah. her helmet and that that shows that she's really ready to put together and and to submit to the cause submit to her leaders uh, which is uh, something that uh, she's certainly not able to do in you know the first episode uh, so uh, Soka goes back to Sabine and of course uh, Sabine's gone with the map remember Shin Hati the Apprentice of Balin Kroll She's been sent to to Watch Sabine Wren And then Sabine arrives back home Trying to decipher the map um, We cut to uh, To Ahsoka who is on the phone With uh, the general With uh, General Hera And she's basically saying look I told you this isn't going to work With Sabine you know the first thing I, I tried we, we tried we have a relationship It's not going to work uh, But you could tell that the gen- General Hera Is uh, she really likes Sabine. She cares about her, and she, I think, more than anything, she believes in her abilities and believes in in the fact that Sabine will do what's right and will do mm-hmm. really anything for Ezra. I, I think at this mm-hmm. point, like she's willing to uh, to to do whatever it takes to find Ezra. So after this interaction, we check back in with Sabine, who's still trying to figure out the map. And as she seems to be figuring it out, it's almost like she's cracking a code. It reminded me a little bit mm-hmm. of like a Rubik's cube. You know, when she was yeah. kind of twisting it, and then it sort of opens and it, it starts to glow. And Sabine's talking to her cat, which is kind of funny. I thought this was she's like, "What the hell? The yeah. key? This is it?" You know. And I think I'm going on a trip. And right as she feels like she's about to get the gist of this map, she gets attacked by a droid. Um, what I liked about these droids, um, and this is something that Eric mentioned in New Rock Stars, they they feel and sound and look very heavy metal, weighing mm, like just sort yeah. of different than some of the other um, some of the other characters we would see. And even in the second episode, when Sabine is like working on the helmet and working on some of the droid parts, it's clanking around and it just has this heavy feel to it. So yeah, different. They keep introducing things in in slightly different ways. Um, Sabine's able to escape momentarily, but she calls for who uh, she calls for Huang, and she walks outside. When she walks outside, she is met by Shin, and they both ignite their lightsabers. As this is happening, we do get cuts of Ahsoka coming to get Sabine. She senses that Sabine is in trouble, mm-hmm. and yeah, poor Sabine. She's not great here, TK. I mean, she's just playing defense. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like she's she's not. Throwing any swings with that yeah. lightsaber, no thrusts whatsoever. She gets knocked yeah. down. Um, and then as, she's trying, but she gets stabbed right in yeah. the stomach before uh, Ahsoka gets there. So mm-hmm. I like the look and the vibe. And we actually see that, like, Shin, the apprentice for Balin, is a badass. She's and she's aggressive yeah. and she is fierce and mm-hmm. she's comfortable. And that's the total opposite of Sabine. Like Sabine's main mm-hmm. problem, I think, is that she's unsure of herself. You were hitting on it. She wasn't ever mm-hmm. ready to go all in with Ahsoka. And you can see when she's fighting, like she doesn't believe in her ability. She's very tentative. She's all over the place. She's not confident with the force and with her training like she is when she jumps on that speeder bike. You know what I mean? It's like two different, mm-hmm. two different girls that you're seeing right there. Um, but I like it because it does make this main character layered. It, she's not Absolutely. a simple character. She's got dimensions to her, which is which is what we always want with our main characters. Yeah, and she's a fighter. I mean, she's she's feisty. She really, 
she didn't back down in, in she's that She's completely moment. overmatched, but she so, keeps trying. Yeah, and that that there's something um there's something that you you just get as a viewer, you get behind that. You you want to root for the underdog and you want to, you know, somebody standing up against impossible odds, this David versus Goliath. Even they're both apprentices, but she was by comparison just so much less uh skilled, less um trained, less disciplined. Uh, so she was it was an inevitability that she was going to get beat down. She was um, and Eric from New Rockstars pointed this out. She was just coming in with a lightsaber over her head, just trying to swing as hard as she could uh, and go for the big blow. And that really opened herself up for, you know, straight thrusts. Uh, I saw some people complaining about uh, that. They're kind of nerfing lightsabers, essentially like that. She, you know, what's going on? Qui-Gon basically had this happen and he was thus dead yeah. in, uh, in episode one. Uh, and then here we have this uh, Sabine character who is not a full-fledged Jedi and she's able to kind of brush this off. Um, she got ran through, but then still was swinging her lightsaber, showing that she's you know still in the fight, so to speak. Um, it, and again, also, if this... Uh, if she was defeated, I don't know why she wasn't finished off at that point. Clearly, she was outmatched. There's a little bit of a logic leap there why they didn't do that. Although, you could say maybe it's that the, those the characters the powers, are, right? aren't necessarily bad, though. Oh, there yeah. could be powers. Well, that could and, have been a mitigating factor. But what about uh, the fact that their lightsabers aren't red? They're actually orange. These aren't necessarily the bad guys in the story. They might just be great. Another, another point, just to piggyback on what you're saying— at the end of the second episode, mm-hmm. we actually hear Balin talk about not wanting to kill Ahsoka because she's a Jedi. Great point. Great right? point. So even so though that might have been the though, directive. Yeah, yeah. Even though his job and he's paid to go take her out or to go get the map, he that's what he wants to do. He doesn't need to kill someone. That's not what he wants to do. And when he's trying to like use the force to read her thoughts, he can tell that she's very powerful and he can sense that. Mm-hmm. And there may be some of that here with, hey, we stabbed her. We don't need to kill her. Like, the job is done. We got the map. Mm-hmm. That's what yeah. they needed. That's what Shin was sent Great to point. do. She was sent to get the map. Like, and that's yeah, – I'm, I'm glad you, you brought that up too. It was um, – there, there are a few different reasons to, to understand why she wasn't left dead there or she wasn't mm-hmm. killed. Um, yeah. And, and to, to, to that point, real quick, uh, you know, people were saying that, that, that that's like a mortal blow. But if she specifically was going into it, like, I'm going to take out Sabine, but not kill her, uh, she could have specifically placed that thrust in a place where she knew there wasn't a vital organ, like that the, just threaded that needle perfectly uh, because she's that skilled. So, yeah, I think that. Um, it's all plausible and and it makes sense why it played out the way it did we kind of move right into episode two and uh, what i like is it just picks up right away we actually see when episode two starts we get the previously on and then the star wars title screen we don't have a crawl for the second uh episode because we know what's going on now we're just going to pick right back (laughs) up and it's ahsoka in the hospital with sabine and sabine she's waking up from a dream and she's like uh, this this part was kind of uh, I thought was sort of fascinating because it's it seems like Sabine is dreaming and like mm-hmm. Sabine is going back through something that has happened, but it almost feels like Ahsoka's in her head trying to find out her thoughts, like trying to read her mind and use the Force. And it's like she's she's trying she's like figuring something out, and then Sabine wakes up. She kind of wakes up like 
startled, like, oh, what you, you really think Ezra's still out there? Um, mm-hmm. um, and now we have Ahsoka and Sabine. So this part feels like Sabine has like kind of let her guard down now. I think this is sort of the beginning of her becoming ready once she gets she gets knocked down, right? That's what you say when you're at your lowest point. She just got her ass kicked. She yeah. just got crushed <laughs> in in a and in a few moments, Hu Yang is gonna just throw her under the bus and tell her she's the worst Jedi he's ever seen. So she doesn't have confidence right now. She's at yeah. her lowest point. And I think this is when this is when she starts to get on her path to redemption. This is when she starts to realize that she needs what Ahsoka has. And I think Ahsoka now knows that she needs what Sabine has with some of Sabine's mm-hmm. abilities and uh, skills, what she can do with reading the map and 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 her technical abilities. So I think it, this is the kind of a moment when I they start to realize that they need each other. Yeah, definitely. And, and it makes sense that that would happen after like a catastrophic failure. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> like she's yeah. Sabine's almost dead here. So that's 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 good storytelling. You know, like, you know, characters fall apart and they realize after that they need each other after you know they hit rock bottom that they need each other and then they build each other back up and they fill in the gaps with each other they have mentor uh, apprentice relationship and uh hopefully we're taken out admiral thrawn by the end of this series and it's all super uh satisfying to us uh i i, I like the way they've set it up and it, and it makes perfect sense and it's good storytelling i think i agree i agree as uh ahsoka Leaves the hospital. She tells Sabine, you're not ready yet. You need to get some rest. Then flash over to Setos. This planet is really dark and ominous and scary. And we see these statues that are like Stonehenge that are set up um, in like a circular form. Balin and Shin (laughs) arrive with the map they took from Sabine. Balin places it on a pillar and then he tells his apprentice. To contact Morgan, I believe we have located the reflex the reflex point on Setos. So he thinks he's going to be able to find out how to read this map, how to decipher this map. So the episode two Ahsoka title screen comes up. And every time we get Balin on screen, I think they just did such a great job with him. And I really – Ray yeah. Stevenson's played this role so well because he just – like you said, he's he's dark, he's ominous. But now in the second episode – he starts to be conflicted and we find out he's yeah. not just this bad guy. He's not just like, oh, I'm stupid, yeah. evil, bad guy who does bad things. He also has his own motivations. And mm-hmm. I, I just I'm I'm super intrigued and in watching every time he's on the screen. Yeah, he brings so much pathos to the role. Uh, his eyes, he's just got this sadness and this earnestness to everything that he does. Uh, there's a strength uh and, and a wisdom that he brings to the role uh and it's really cool thinking about him as this kind of um alternate uh anakin you know this contemporary yes. of anakin and darth vader uh oh maybe a foil to him in, in in a sense a reflection of anakin they're they're so similar but the differences i think are are what's going to be most interesting about it i think it's like if Anakin held on to more of his humanity and didn't mm-hmm. fully embrace the dark side and, and remain conflicted absolutely. into middle age. Yeah, absolutely. That's it's a great, great like point. It's a great find as um, Ahsoka is now at Sabine's. So she's looking around for the map. She's looking around for clues to see if she can find anything about the people who 
who came after Sabine. And she plays the hologram message and she sees Ezra. And it's great because she just is really strong with the force and she's got a great sense for everything. Right as she's about to get attacked, the cat, shout out to the cat for the assist. He kind of uh, yeah. kind of lets her know that there's someone in the room and it's one of the uh, assassin yeah. droids that she's able to easily handle. And what she does is she brings back pieces of the droid to Sabine so that can try to figure out where the droid came from and if see if they can find anything more out. Smart. It's kind of basic. It's logical. But it makes yeah. sense is uh, we see Ahsoka bring the parts back to Sabine and Sabine's trying to figure them out. Uh, she mm-hmm. says, this droid is incredibly resilient like me. If you take off an arm or a leg, it just keeps coming. That means they have several built-in backup systems. And Huyang actually finishes her thought. Its memory core stays partially active even after termination. And so we can hear mm-hmm. that Sabine is really smart so much so mm-hmm. that she's actually thinking of things that the droids aren't even thinking of. <laughs> like, she's she's really very ingenious here. And Huyang actually like is impressed. Wow, you can find out where it came from. Very clever. But he asks, what happens if you get the power levels wrong? Says, oh, the head will explode. Explode? <laughs> and, and then the droid's like freaking out. Yeah, like, explode? What, what? No, like perhaps we should go elsewhere to perform this. Uh, yes. But General is on the, on the hologram. So General um, Hera and uh, Soka and Yang and Sabine are all in this room together. It's the four of them. And there's a, a, some kind of funny moments where the general's like, no, go for it. And Yang's like, yeah, you're telling her to go for it because you're not here. You're a hologram. <laughs> it's not going to blow up like on your face, you know? And um, just this kind of silly, uh, silly humor there, but it's good. And yeah. what I like, it's not, it wasn't like in the parts of the Marvel stuff where you say, where you point out, and I agree with you a lot, where it's mm-hmm. like you can feel them really going for a laugh and it becomes kind of cringy. Like this was just sort of yeah. like, like circumstance humor, you know, like it's just something quick to point out. You can get a laugh out of it. It wasn't like too heavy handed. It wasn't like, oh, they really, really want to force us to laugh here. It's just, we love <laughs> these. The droids that have personalities are just fantastic. I love, yeah, it, I love them. Shades of C-3PO in this for, for sure and how he's just he's he's uh, kind of neurotic about his own uh, safety. Um, but, yeah, I, I thought that the humor here was really well done. It, it doesn't betray the reality of, the, you know, the circumstances that we're that we're seeing uh, it, and it doesn't undermine any of that. Uh, it's not a winking thing at the audience like, isn't this so silly that we're doing this? Can you believe these characters are doing it? Uh, that's the sort of thing that really takes you out of it that Marvel has done a little bit too much mm-hmm. of lately. Um, thankfully, Star Wars doesn't get too much into no, that. They don't really. Uh, I wonder if that's why even they uh, they pulled the whole Phil Lord, Chris Miller uh, version of Solo. I don't know if we ever yeah. touched on how they basically canceled that movie from the guys who made like nothing but great movies, hits, uh, the, the Spider-Verse movies, the Lego movie, 21 Jump Street movies. I mean, they are literally uh, perfect uh, batting record here, yeah. um, and yet they made seventy five percent of a Star Wars movie that the they pulled the plug on because they said there was too much riffing, too much comedy in it. I wonder if they were afraid of going down that road. Uh, but then I wonder if they they had the, the sense to know the difference uh, because Phil Lord and Chris Miller are usually really good at at straddling that line and and doing humor that can be self referential, even meta, but also maintaining the 
stakes and the reality of of the story and 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 pulling out your heartstrings even and something that might be really silly who knows there's so many what ifs there but uh i just i just kind of went off on a tangent there thinking you know there hasn't been a whole lot of like no. silly humor in there's star not. wars maybe and, thankfully so and i agree with you i agree with you because i think when it when you have it it feels a little more genuine and honest like it's just something mm-hmm. happening between the characters and not force um, yeah, like it just pops up in in normal conversation. Yeah. We have Sabine trying to figure this out, and all of a sudden there's some sparking. There's some heating. Yang's getting nervous. It's overheating. Switch it off. No, Sabine wants to keep trying till she has one more moment. Okay, <laughs> right as they switch it off, she actually finds out that the droid came from Corellia, which is a New Republic shipyard. <laughs> so, Ahsoka. Mentions that Morgan Elsbeth had factories on Corellia. The Imperial operations should have been dismantled after the rebellion, but they haven't been. So the general and Soka are going to go check that out. Sabine wants to go with them, but Soka says, no, not yet. You need to recover. Um, following this, the general tells Sabine, it's going to just wait a little bit. I'll talk, I'll talk more to Ahsoka. I'll let her know that you have the right intentions. That you're ready. I'll let her know that you can be a big help. Um, and you know what? The I actually kind of like the relationship that it feels like the general and Sabine have. It just kind of feels real. Mm-hmm. It feels like it's somebody at work that's just trying to help you out. You know? And, yeah. And, like it. It does feel like she is um, just trying to put in a good word for her with uh, with Ahsoka and trying to mend the broken relationship a little bit. She's trying to be that the the um, you know the facilitator in the middle. Yeah, if Roger's sisters, you know, some, where sometimes you got maybe three sisters and two of them aren't getting along. And then there's a third one that, lo- you know, loves them both and just wants them you know, to, to be a family again. It, was, it, it reminded me of that kind of uh, they, situation. The And you know what? That's a good point, because I think all three of them, they do a really good job of feeling kind of familial. Like mm-hmm. the three of these these characters in the show between um, General Harris, Adula, uh, Sabine. And Ahsoka, we check in with Elsbeth. She joins Balin and Shin on Setos to check out the map. So this planet is dark. It's scary looking. And there's kind of scary music all over. And we find out a little bit about this. This was a place that was not built by the Jedi. It was built by an ancient people from a distant galaxy. And then Elsbeth asks if they want to see Balin and Shin step up. Elsbeth um, waves her hands And the sphere map opens It's glowing around them And now all of a sudden It is completely above them It's like they're inside of a sphere uh, They're like inside of a barrier Almost and they're looking around So basically all of these Stonehenge like um, Pillars are Basically like a map it's like astronomy Almost it's things that we've heard about in history um, It looks fascinating and she explains us that this is our destination. This is where Grand Admiral Thrawn is banished. And Balin kind of scoffs at this. He said, the pathway to Perdia? She says, yeah, some call it that. He says, yeah, the children at the Jedi Temple call it that. It comes from old stories and fairy tales. And she said, they are based on truths. And he questions this. You're certain of it? I feel the path forward is clouded. 
We see it here already. He's seen clouds. He's not necessarily just a bad guy. Um, but I, visually, this was kind of cool. And this is where we see this the idea of like witchcraft, mysticism, sorcery, which is a little bit different than things that we've seen in uh, with, with the Jedi and the Force. Yeah, I, which I love it. I love the blurring of those lines uh, between the, the, the mysticism and the fantasy elements. Uh, with sci-fi and you can you can really play with those things in Star Wars I think and for, because from the jump it's been like that it's been a fairy tale set in space uh, so we've we've yet to do things like really play with stuff like time dilation uh, like like we saw on Interstellar um, or uh, in the book the, the Forever War which is one of my favorites um, but uh, that's something that we could uh, we could kind of explore here we're talking about you know communicating across time i think in this scene and, uh, and there's time a time before space there, uh, there's also is, a in, in rebels season four there's a place called the world between worlds which is a really cool concept it's like a place Kang, where you can live there yeah right exactly right and it's, <laughs> see, it's a place <laughs> where you go and you can see the past and see the future <laughs> um it's not as much like direct time travel that we know but it's more of like you can see it and then do you want to get involved but if you do mm. you know there'll be a domino effect it's kind of a cool mm. concept like you said it's like that that kang the watcher <laughs> right like the watcher right. that can see all right. or the even in doctor strange you know there's the like the sort of like the uh, the in between even in uh, in mm. what is it uh, stranger things we're talking the upside down here you know um, right right this is just I, I like the concept of this quite a bit. I think it's it's fascinating. And what Elsbeth says, Thrawn calls to me across time and space. Yeah. Very intriguing. So we're dealing with possibly time travel here. The yeah. eye of Scion is on its way. Make sure that everything is ready for its arrival. Maroc is mentioned. Um and Maroc is an inquisitor we are going to see him uh fight in just a moment he's a very skilled fighter the uh the uh, as this happens balin sends shin off his apprentice he says okay uh, go to Corellia, assess maroc with the final transport and then we will have power as you've never before dreamed so you know, there's just a lot of scene setting and a lot of cutting back and forth between our main characters mm -hmm. here. But as we talk this stuff out, a lot of it's important. And um, gosh, I just every time we talk about him, I'm so fascinated by this character. I think he just does such a great job, Balin, Balin Scroll. He really yeah, does. Yeah, yeah. There's such like a mystery to you know what's going on, you know, with his motivations, and you get the sense that um, you know he's a man of conviction. And uh, no, whatever his motivations are that, you know, he believes in them, you know, well, actually, I'm, I'm questioning what I was about to say here because I was going to say he believes in them strongly, but I do see conflict within him as well. So I, I think he I, has he's, he's got conflict. some sort of immortal code, right? It's, it's probably like a little bit of both. Yeah, I um, think that's what it is, because I think he initially as he's doing this job, the more and more he's he's doing <laughs> it, he's he's getting. Un maybe uncomfortable or or he's he's coming upon things that he doesn't want to do i feel like he's yeah. more than just some some evil mercenary you know um yeah which, you know what uh, thinking about it more i think i think he's very deliberate and uh, like um he is 
married to some like one specific part of a mission. Like he has a goal yes. and I think he's like he's so devoted to that goal. And I think where the conflict lies is like what is he willing to do to achieve yes. that goal? I think How? that's what we're saying. And the end How justify the means type of thing. Right, right. right? Like he, right. he there are things that he won't do to get to that point if he has mm-hmm. to. And he's a great villain or you know gray area character here. Yeah. As uh, we check back in with the Soka, she arrives on Corellia. Go ahead. Real quick before we move on, I just want to point out another kind of key thing from this scene. Uh, I believe she said galaxies, plural, yes. in this. And I thought that was so important because have we been existing pretty much just in one galaxy? All, yes. all these stories take place in one galaxy. Everything a long time in ago in a galaxy far, one, far away. One. I, just for reference, I looked up you know, how many stars are in a galaxy. Over a hundred million, on average, I think, is how many stars. So it makes perfect sense that in Star Wars, it could all be in one galaxy. A galaxy is huge. You know, traveling between stars is a ridiculous amount of travel, uh, and we're talking about hundreds of millions uh, in this one galaxy. This could be a very large galaxy. This could be a you know a billion stars in this one galaxy. So if we're going to a different galaxy. That opens and, up the world. That's it's kind of like the multiverse. Uh, it's almost mm-hmm. on that scale of like what, how Marvel opens up when when we embrace the multiverse. Uh, that opens up Star Wars to so so much, and uh, I think they're tying in obviously some legends. Uh, but I'm getting um, Knights of the Old Republic a little bit here. Yes. I, I saw people commenting on that, and I played it a long time ago, probably 30 years ago by now. Uh, but it, that was a great game. I remember loving it. And I would love to see some of that stuff explored uh, in the series. It might be worth revisiting as well. An ancient people from a distant galaxy, she says. Mm-hmm. Then she says, this is our galaxy, and that is our destination. Two different galaxies, yeah. right? Pointing them out. Fascinating stuff here. As uh, Yeah, we head back to Corellia. So now Ahsoka is there with General Hera, and they're investigating what is happening on the planet Corellia. This was an old operation of Morgan Elsbeth. This is like some of the stuff that we saw in uh, most recently, right in Andor, I think, where we have what what happens when the Empire is gone. Well, you still have all these remnants of the Empire. You still yeah. have all these people who are sympathetic to it. It's not like you just cut off the head of the snake or and then everything's gone. Right, you have still all of these little cells all over mm-hmm. the place, and and that's what this is. Uh, we are introduced to Min Weaver, who's a regional supervisor, but you can just tell right off the bat this yeah. dude is just <laughs> shady. He's hiding something. He's obviously just full of shit, like in everything that he's yeah. saying. Um, he's a weasel, yeah, totally weaselly. And uh, as General Sindula and Ahsoka get there, he's trying to just get rid of them real quick. Uh, they want to look at the former facilities and operations. He's, I know I'm busy. And then the general says, I can make this a more formal inspection if you like. He says, no, 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 it's okay. I'll, I'll show you around. I'll show you around. We're also introduced to Chopper, the droid. He's in uh, Rebels. And this is probably one of the most um, sort of like sneakily evil droids that are out there. Like this droid is just mm-hmm. 
willing to destroy anything and anyone and not really care much about it. Um, he just really sort of what we were saying about Balin, he's the opposite. This droid has a job, he wants to get it done. He does not care who he harms along the way. He just he <laughs> he wants to make sure his protocols are uh, are fulfilled. Um right. we get the, we get the tour here. Morgan takes us around with the uh, general and with Ahsoka and they ride on a cart. He informs them of all different things. And he even says a lot of these um this was former staff. There was no other way to remain operational. An empire doesn't just become a republic overnight. You find ex-imperials at every level of the new republic government. Don't um general ask, do you worry <laughs> about their loyalty? Not at all. The average worker doesn't care about the nuances of galactic politics. They have loyalty so long as they're paid. And I'm a businessman. My loyalty is to my investors. I leave the politics up to you. So he doesn't really care. But this is kind of fascinating, too, because mm-hmm. in early Star Wars, you know, you're watching it and we're watching things and it's simple. It's good and bad. Mm-hmm. And we're led to mm-hmm. believe that everything is just the good guys and the bad guys and not a bunch of people who don't even know what they're fighting for a lot of the time. Like, why do they care yeah. um, about they, they're doing what they're told a lot of the time? This reminds me of uh, the Bill Burr character. Right. And the speech that he gave right. where like, you know. Mando thinks he's righteous and his cause is right, but the people he fights, they also think they're righteous and that their cause Mm -hmm. is right. And everybody thinks that based on where they were. Um, I like this, this, what they've done in recent years with Star Wars of who's the good guy, who's the bad guy, are the bad guys really bad, you know, and are the good guys even always good? They have to do some bad things sometimes. I, I like that because. Just mm-hmm. what you pointed at the very beginning about like the Mary Sue character with Sabine, nobody is all one way. Nobody, I don't know right. one person that's all good or all bad. The greatest people I know will still have bad moments, and the worst yeah. people you know will still have good moments, and they still love people and do loving and nice things. So there's very few characters that are like the uh, in real life, like the character in She Hulk, the from the Office, the, the right, Office right. guy, right? Who's just like. The worst yeah. person and the worst human being in the world. There are normally people like this. Even this guy like Min. He's a guy who, mm-hmm. dude, there's probably a guys like Min that that are at every office building in the world. You know, people who are just oh, sure. cheating, trying to fly under the radar, make an extra buck or two, and and just um, don't don't really care about the greater good. Absolutely. It, it's the banality is, of evil yeah. stuff, you know? And, and it, it's fitting, too, because... You know, you look at the history of Star Wars and how Star Wars, obviously, it's Joseph Campbell, Hero's Journey stuff. It's very classic uh, on one sense when you're looking at it from the perspective of Luke Skywalker and, and that character story. But, the, you know, the tapestry of the, the whole story and the framework of it, uh, it's meant to kind of um, be an allegory for the Vietnam War. And you have the, the empire is the American empire and uh, how, you know, the, the Ewoks on Endor are able to kind of over throw these uh th- th- this big empire this strong empire on endor it's because uh they the ewoks know their terrain and they're fighting for their home and there's a lot of parallels there with what was happening in you know vietnam and the you know quote-unquote american empire of the time uh, and so this is just an extension of that it's like a meta reflection 
uh, into the story of that. So we're going to explore different aspects of society and, the, you know, the banality of evil and, you know, capitalist motivations for, um, you know, interfering in, in politics or, you know, making compromises for a buck that might, you know, betray certain loyalties and, you know, where ethics lie. I think that um, Star Wars is a, a rich ground to uh, explore all that stuff with. And I think you can explore both sides of it. And you can also uh, frame that all around Hero's Journey, kind of classic stories of, you know, characters triumphing over good and evil. That's kind of the beauty of Star Wars. It's all those things at once. Um, at the end of the conversation here, the uh, general Hera asks, basically asks Ahsoka, would you consider bringing Sabine back on as your apprentice? Maybe we're both past that. But the general says, no, I think you, I think she could use some structure and so could you. Said, Ahsoka said she's not ready. What makes someone ready? You just know and so do they. Okay. Back at the hospital, Sabine is healing up and uh, Yang asks if she's still been, if she's been training. Um, she says no um, They mentioned the lightsaber She says no this is Ezra's lightsaber But the droid Very matter of factly says true He did construct it and by all accounts it served him well Then he passed it on to you You have since made your own modifications So now it, it is your lightsaber <laughs> and, uh, She says For all the good it did me um, She says I, I Need to keep I, need, I would love to train again But I don't think that's up to me I can't train if Ahsoka doesn't want to teach me. He tells her that's a poor excuse and that the past is the past and they need to move forward. And she asks in a very like emo way, if uh, <laughs> if I if you could have unlocked the map yourself, would Ahsoka even have come here? And I like what he says. Irrelevant. It is. It's <laughs> irrelevant. But she wants to know, was I part of the plan? Was she going to tell me about Ezra? Like, did she need me or was this little reunion Hera's idea? He tells her, look. General Sindula thought your insights would be valuable, and Lady Tano agreed. Sabine's still emotional here. She doesn't want me back. She wasn't even thinking about me. <laughs> this is like <laughs> what you would say after a, a relationship, like an yeah, ex yeah. You're, you're talking to. And um, Huang mentions, look, to be fair, you've never indicated that you wanted to come back. You're rough around the edges too, right? You're not someone who's sitting here like, please take me back. You're mm-hmm. feisty and fiery yourself. But she... Um, you can tell she really has her guard let down here. Uh, she says it doesn't matter. I never had the talent and the abilities, not like Ezra. He says, yeah, that much is true. <laughs> he doesn't make her feel any better about it. He says, I've known many Padawans over the centuries. I can safely say that your aptitude for the Force would fall short of all of them. <laughs> she yeah. goes, well then, I guess I won't waste her time anymore. But he stops her, Yang, and he hands her the lightsaber. And I think it This is a good moment Where he kind of helps to build some of her confidence Back up and and he lets her know That you know what this is the kind of thing that happens To everyone we all fall off the horse get back up What's next don't live in the past Move forward really good advice From a droid man I could could use a droid Here giving me this advice TK (laughs) Same Uh, So we're back on Corellia We're at the control center where we have uh, Soka and the general and Min's taking them on the tour, talk, uh, showing them things. Soka noticed something. Is that a hyperdrive core? Uh, yeah, he says. It's refurbished from an SSD. It's ready for its new life, serving the Republic. The facility has produced nine of these. The general asks, hmm, the new Republic defense fleet isn't building anything that big. What are these for? 
And now we can see right away. He's uh, um um hmm. There it is. It's, okay, it's it's classified. It's classified. You can't you can't see this. She says, "I'm a general. Nothing's classified to me." <laughs> He's like, "Well, I can't unseal a document." She says, "I'm authorizing it." Uh, uh, um, and he's <laughs> he's getting nervous. He calls a droid over. Uh, C1, can you come over here? Can you help with the protocol? Soka asks, "What other types of droids do you have in operation?" He lies, and you got to be careful because, like we just saw with Yang, droids don't have a lot of them don't have emotions. That's why the ones that do, we can kind of sort of feel it when it feels like they mm-hmm. care. They're they're programmed to do one thing, to be honest, to give you the facts. This droid says, oh, yeah, we do have assassin droids. <laughs> like, yeah. just totally gives it HK away. HK droids? Yeah, yeah. HK droid. Uh, yeah, an HK class droid recently prevented me from completing this task. And it's <laughs> like, uh, what? Why didn't you log a report? Well, the droid carried a high-level sec- high security clearance. They're asking, where is this droid? And as they look out, it's the droid is on a ship that's about <laughs> to, to leave. And so yeah. Ahsoka is like, uh, let me get let me get there. So she runs <laughs> out um, and she tries to stop the ship. And um, it was pretty funny how this reminded me of one of the MCU moments with the, the Hydra folks. Because the workers yeah. that were in here were just immediately said... Hail Hydra! <laughs> for the Empire! For, for the, the Empire. Empire! Right? Yeah. And they like they grab their blasters and they stand up and they're getting ready. And it, it was sort of a funny yeah. scene. You know, it, it almost was like comical in how like they did it. Um Yeah. And yeah, because they were just so owned immediately. And also like, uh oh. Maybe maybe don't shout that at the beginning. Maybe just right? skip that part. Maybe do that after you 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 uh, you, you take out your enemy without <laughs> her even knowing, right? Like you yeah, could have killed her and shout for the and empire then afterwards. But you could, it's you could say the typical that was bad for, guy that trope was for the empire, right? Just the typical bad yeah. guy trope. Explain your yeah, plan yeah, yeah. right before oh, you know. Right. Uh, yeah, just, that's the trope just condensed into like a fraction of a, a second. second? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Here is my plan for the empire. <laughs> just, yeah. Uh, Ah- Ahsoka stops the attack using the force and her lightsabers. I like how she'll one hand lightsaber, other hand force stop someone. Yeah. Uh, she runs after the droid and she runs right into Maroc, who is the Inquisitor with an assassin droid. And she battles with Maroc with their lightsabers as General Sindula gets in her ship with the droid Chopper. So we get a battle here while we have uh, General Sindula. Uh, and Chopper in the uh, in the ship Ahsoka fighting off the droid She destroys it, she cuts it in half And And there's a lot of fun back and forth Between General Syndulla and the droid Chopper, it reminds me of Groot Because, you know, she's <laughs> Responding to the things that the droid's saying That we can't hear She's like, yeah. no, you can't, she's talking to it I can't, She said, I can't just shoot it down It would crash into the port city <laughs> it just ready a tracking device and don't miss this yeah. one. No, I didn't go through your stuff. Like the droid asked, "Did you go through my things?" No. Uh, did you look under the backup battery? Great. Hurry up. They're gonna make the jump into hyperspace as soon as they clear the atmosphere. So I, I like Chopper here. I thought uh, this yeah. was fun. And um, the the battle between Ahsoka and Morak finishes as Morak escapes Ahsoka. Jumps onto the ship with Balin and with Shin. So our bad guys are now all together. And 
General Sindula and the droid Chopper are able to do some nifty maneuvering. They place a yeah. tracking device on that ship. So they do have a tracking device on the ship. So now um, Ahsoka and the general are able to you know, reconvene and sort of plot out their plan. Um, yeah, I thought I thought it was kind of cool. Like it was it was yeah. kind of it was a fun scene. It was a good battle. I thought with Ahsoka and and I I thought the aerial stuff with uh, with the general and um, and with Chopper was fun. Like a lot of this stuff is really good Star Warsy stuff. Like you said, it's it's hitting yeah. the feels. It's not. Necessarily being too corny with it It's giving us things mm-hmm. that we know But giving us a new spin on it Absolutely, yeah It's doing more of that rhyming stuff That George Lucas loves to do with the storytelling um, You know, everything that's going on with uh, You know, Chopper, that the, the droid it, it, it reminds you of the dynamic with R2 In there And R2 has had that, you know, two times over With both Anakin and Luke uh, But these these dynamics continue to play out And they add new little spins on them uh, and the the visuals uh, here, the, all the space battle stuff, I guess it was uh, not exactly space. They were in the atmosphere, but still cool stuff with those ships uh, and that maneuver that you mentioned was pretty impressive. Uh, and then the the on the ground lightsaber battle uh, with the Inquisitor. I feel like the Inquisitor looked really cool. Um, it's giving us a lot of what we want in Star Wars, and it's giving us those new moments uh bringing the characters together we're getting good conflict we're getting some exciting sequences it's it's what i was hoping for you know i i would love to see this be basically the like these moments be more of what we're getting uh in the episode and i, I think, realize there has to ebb and flow a little bit but i i, I want it like just just a hair i think more, and i hope we will five ten percent more yeah yeah i think because i think they they did a, they needed to do some scene setting in these first two a little bit But I, I feel like we're getting now Like in a weird way The first two episodes really didn't need to happen You know what I mean Because we could have right. gotten to the point where like Sabine and us and Ahsoka are together Right that's where they left in yeah. Rebels so like Especially the, if you were a fan of, of Rebels And have watched right? that already You kind you, of You're like you oh we're right back that. where we were yeah. But for anyone like us and people who yeah. haven't watched it That's what these first two episodes were really you're for right. To let you know, hey, look, now we're ready to start, and I think we're going to get on that point now to where we have a little bit more action because mm-hmm. Sabine gets back home from the hospital, and she takes out her armor, and it, it does mm-hmm. feel like that that conversation she had with Huyang was was one that sort of put her over the top. She gets her Mandalorian armor. What I like is that it's it's all different, so you can see mm-hmm. that she's like gathered this armor or it was given to her. It was almost like. When it was almost like winning a badge, it, it to me it yeah. reminded me of like winning a badge in the Boy Scouts or the Girl Scouts or like a Letterman jacket. You know, you're getting patches every time yeah. something happens. Like she's got these little pieces of armor that look different, maybe from different moments in her life when she was growing up. And yeah. she cuts off her hair and she grabs her helmet and she's ready to go. She feels ready. Mm-hmm. Um, we see General Sindula and Ahsoka. They're Kind of cleaning up the mess from Corellia. Office New Republic officers are in. Um, they're looking at this facility. They're going to shut the facility down. It seems like and maybe get it up operating um, um, in a in a more positive light and not have the uh, loyalists mm-hmm. to the the Empire here. But at this moment, Ahsoka gets a message, and it's a a hologram message from Sabine, and she says, "I'm ready." That's all. <laughs> That's all it was, just letting her know I'm ready. 
and Ahsoka gets on her ship and she leaves. That actually makes the general smile because the uh, general Syndulla is still down there dealing with all the uh, the bureaucratic crap. But she, more than anything, I think she knows that the two of them can probably bring out the best in one another. Like they do bring out the worst in one another. A lot of times that's (laughs) the case for people who have a really good chemistry. They they can bring out the best and the worst um, in one another. And that that's the case here. And Ahsoka gets back to Sabine and. Sabine's looking at a painting of Ezra longingly, and uh, they have a funny interaction where she says, "Nice haircut," and Sabine says, "Yeah, it's more me." As Yang lets them know that they've just received a transmission from the general, they know where the transport's going. It was traced to the Deneb system. It has remained in orbit around the planet Cetos. We better get moving. So they are on their way, and as they get in the ship together, Ahsoka looks over to Sabine and says. Why don't you take us out, Padawan? So boom, boom. If you get the feels yeah. a little bit, they're back together, master and apprentice. Yeah, it took, it's official. It took a couple episodes <laughs> to get us back there, but we're here. And sometimes it was just Sabine wasn't ready yet. She wasn't yeah. ready yet. She needed to get knocked completely down and realize that mm-hmm. she does need Ahsoka's help. The training, the mm-hmm. Jedi training, will complete her. I think she also. Know, was reading that was uh, listening to that hologram message from Ezra, and he asked her to finish this. He asked her to complete right. task that she hasn't been able to do yet, and she's grown up a little bit. And now we yeah. have two of our main characters on the same side. They're ready to go, and they head after Balin's ship. So I thought we have a, a little bit after this with the the bad guys, but I thought in, introducing a completely new character like this can be tricky, especially one that has. Five seasons of a backstory in an animated show I thought they did a fantastic job with Sabine And we already know Ahsoka Mm -hmm. And what Rosario Dawson's done with her In The Mandalorian Both of these characters They're really, really well done And they've done a great job Of bringing in some of the animated characters To the world of Star Wars Mm -hmm. We see it in in Marvel And sometimes they hit and sometimes they miss But but they've done a good job With making them feel like real characters yeah, they really have, and they were smart with like using certain tropes uh, to to kind of have a shortcut there. Like just the way we were introduced to Sabine, that was something we've seen before. It's that Little Mermaid. She's like, she's on her own, independent. We know because she didn't show up for for you know her number at the like. It's the same thing with Ariel at the beginning of that story, uh, and it also reminded me of. Um, Kirk in the Star Trek reboot with J.J. Abrams, there's this scene where early on where Kirk is like on, I think, like a speeder bike, just very similar. And he's being chased by these cops on this open road by himself. And you get the sense that this person is independent, a rebel uh, and and uh, a free spirit and and uh, and fearless. And so you get all these things very, very quickly and it's familiar. Uh, so you feel like, you know, this character already. I feel like they did. They used tropes wisely. They didn't overuse them. It didn't yes. feel like it was completely like a retread, but it, it allowed us to like instantly connect with the character, feel like we've known them for a little bit, even though we just we just met them. Without and, being yeah. like slapped over the face with something. You know what I mean? Because exactly. there were things in like Book of Boba Fett here and there, times that were like, ah, that was like kind of cringy mm-hmm. or tropey. I didn't feel yeah. like I didn't feel that with a lot of this. It, this wasn't perfect. But it, it was no. solid and it was a good start. 
And I feel like gotcha. it was a, like a nice foundation for us yeah. to build on. And now I, said, I think yep. I think the first two episodes didn't really like on one part they had a lot of exposition to do in hey here's this new character hey here's this person but like i said mm-hmm. they're not really they didn't really get to any place more than where they were at the end of rebels we have now mm-hmm. just ahsoka and sabine and the general mm-hmm. kind of all on the same side ready to go that's where we were before so while there was a lot happening there wasn't a lot happening i think yeah. more plot movement and actual um action is going to continue yeah. on. Let's finish up yeah. the final scene, TK, where we had Morak, Balin, and Shin. They appear on holograms to talk with Elsbeth. These are like newly improved holograms. These are like yeah. awesome technology. They've got like a different um, color scheme to them mm-hmm. as well. And they're they're like uh, more full than the holograms mm-hmm. that we've seen. This is a, a really interesting part because Elsbeth mentions the Eye of Scion, it will be complete, and we will deliver Grand Admiral Thrawn from his exile in the far galaxy. Galen says, the sooner the better, and Elsbeth can sense trouble. So the appearance of Ahsoka Tano on Corellia troubles you. Balin uh, says it does. And then his apprentice kind of stops in. Hey, we made a clean escape. She couldn't even have tracked us here. But she did track them there with the help of the general. Mm. And uh, Elspeth asks Balin, what do you see? Her presence in the Force is elusive, yet her determination is vivid. She is coming. I thought that line was really cool. It just It's like a powerful line. Uh, Elspeth says, nothing will prevent our journey. But Balin says, to kill her will be a shame. There are so few Jedi left. Yeah. Elspeth asks, sentimental? And Balin states, truth. And then it ends. So yeah, he, while he's a paid, uh, he's paid by Elsbeth to complete a task. He doesn't want to just go killing anyone, especially a Jedi. Especially yeah. some, he's a train. He's trained in some of the same arts that that Ahsoka is. Now we know yeah. our good guys are on a path. Our bad guys are over here. They're going to intersect again very soon. Yeah. Wasn't some things that we could. You know, gripe on here or there, but overall, mm-hmm. I thought it was a good introduction. And actually, it makes me Thanks. more interested to want to go back and watch Rebels now. And I, I'll do Agreed. that, probably throw it on in the background a lot when I'm watching stuff over the next few weeks just to try to get more familiar. And mm-hmm. I'm excited. And I was a little nervous because after doing a, after we have a recap of a, a show or a movie that's a little bit less, the next time yeah. we talk, you always wonder. And when we talked about Secret Invasion last time, it was one of Oof. the lowest received. Movies, shows, and MCU history And yeah. it was just really uneven And more than anything, the end of it Left a bad taste in our mouth I yeah. like the way this started though It didn't. I didn't feel anything like Left over from that, this felt like a new thing We're starting new with Star Wars here And I'm excited because it does feel like A lot of new ground, new concepts With the, the witchcraft here mm-hmm. Where, as we've hit a few times They're playing on things that we love In the Star Wars world but they're also giving us some new stuff so it doesn't feel like it's just the same thing over and over again. Absolutely. And I never once felt like I was watching like a CW show or like some Power Rangers bullshit, like which is a complaint that uh, I had about Book of Boba Fett, the last season of Mandalorian. Obviously, a lot of the MCU stuff we've been feeling like it's been delving into very cheap storytelling, cheap executions. Uh, 
and this was yeah this was good this felt like a-list stuff it wasn't perfect like we said but it felt cinema grade uh or at least premium tv grade um with some cinema grade action uh peppered throughout especially that killer opening sequence to uh the first episode and of course the the uh the final action sequence in the the second episode i think they're really delivering and on the promise uh and I think that aesthetically they're 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 making it work. They're introducing some interesting new characters, uh, some remix characters, twists on old things. I uh, wanted to note the the loth cat. I think it's called the loth cat. Uh, you Great. mentioned the cat before, but I, I really think that that could be the next. Maybe it's not going to reach the height of the cultural impact that Baby Yoda gave. But I think they're going to sell a lot of uh, of plus, uh, I agree. Uh, toys of that of that character. It's a pretty cool one. I know a lot of people are cat people, and they, this this character really brought out uh, all the things that you love about cats. If you're a pet owner and you're a cat person, I, I think that there's going to be a lot of people who really identify with Sabine and her relationship with that cat, and just love that cat uh, just for for what it is. Uh, really well executed. They're doing that thing where they kind of do the cg but make it look like a puppet so it really feels real in, it in does. an odd way uh, but uh they're they've done really well at developing that technique and making it work and kind of messing with our heads it's like is that a puppet is that animatronic is that cg <laughs> uh, sometimes it's all of the above but uh I, I like it this this is what we love to dissect about star wars how did they make that happen you know how did they bring this fantastical thing to life uh, and to just buy in wholesale. That's what we want from the story. So I think that they're planting the seeds uh, to give us a lot of that. They really set the table for a nice season uh, and uh, some pretty cool stories. So I'm really excited to see what, uh, what what's in store. And we will be here with you each and every week to dissect the scene by scene, deep dive, recap, and review of Ahsoka. We'll hit episode three, part three next week. TK, my friend, thank you so much for joining me. I appreciate you taking some uh, some time out thank of your you. busy life and look forward to talking to you next week and getting deeper and deeper into Ahsoka. You have a great week, uh, rest of your week with, uh, with your wife and your beautiful family there. And uh, we will Thanks talk so next week, buddy. Thanks so much. Same to you. I look forward to it. Folks, we appreciate you hanging out with us. We are back in the world of Star Wars and we'll talk more about Ahsoka next week with episode three. Two episodes down of Ahsoka. Looking forward to each and every week diving into this series with Tim Kelly. Thanks so much for hanging out with us. Good luck on Thursday at Del Mar. We'll have a ton more weekend racing for you this weekend. And now we're going to start getting into football just uh, one more week before the NFL starts. We'll have every single NFL game previewed for you right here every single week on That's What G Said podcast. Good luck the rest of this week in your plays, and we'll be back in just a few days for another episode. That's what she said.